starting to turn into quite a production around here. <laughs> I think we better start meeting again in person pretty soon, because otherwise we're going to have to like open up a, a recording studio in our house. <laughs> well, welcome. Uh, glad that you made it. Glad that you made it to church today. Really happy to see you. Happy to be with you today. Um, today is Mother's Day. You know, it used to be uh, there was a tradition on Mother's Day that when you came to church, you would wear a uh, red rose if your mother was living and a white rose if your mother had passed away. I wonder if um, I wonder if anybody still does that. I think I remember last year. I think I remember seeing a couple of people with roses. I think Pat, Pat England had a rose and I think Dorothy might have had a rose and Christine might have had a rose. Uh, that'd be fun to, to do that again next year for Mother's Day. Write it down. Get yourself a rose, a white rose if your mother has passed away, and a red rose if your mother is uh, still with us. But it is Mother's Day today, and each one of us owes uh, a debt of gratitude and really their life, <laughs> to be quite literal, to them rather. Um, and so I'm going to be talking a little bit about Mother's Day today, and I have a little reflection out of Genesis that I want to that I want to bring up and talk about. You know, some of our mothers are biological. I'm blessed to have my mother still living, and she might even be watching this. Hi, Mom. Good to see you. Uh, and my own wife is the mother of my kids. We have three kids now. Some of our mothers come to us through adoptions or fostering. Uh, there's a couple uh, adopted mothers in our congregation and a foster mother. I know at least one foster mother. No, two. I know at least two foster mothers in our congregation. Uh, and some come to us through marriages. I have a wonderful mother-in-law who I'm very blessed to have with us and uh, very happy that she's here and was on the guitar this morning. And I have a wonderful stepmother as well who um, is not here but is in Anacortes. So I'm very blessed to have a lot of mothers. I have mothers coming out of my ears. <laughs> Other mothers come to us uh, through the course of our life. Um and they guide us through life's storms. They take us under their wings and they become our spiritual mothers. I'm blessed to have a few spiritual mothers too. I hope that everybody has a spiritual mother. However they come into our lives, um, mothers are incredible gifts. And the most important thing that a mother can give, the most important gift that a mother could ever give to their children is the gift of their presence. When we're near to our mothers, they teach us to be better people through the example of their character. And I was always thinking about the mothers that I have in my life, the two mothers that are in my house right now, um, and other mothers that I have. I, I thought of three characteristics of a mother, and and I have some illustrations to demonstrate these three characteristics. I'm not just pulling these out of the air. These are these are well grounded truth. Um, first is that mothers are very attentive to their children. Uh, sometimes maybe too attentive. I I had a I had had a grandma, my grandma Agnes, uh, this is my mother, my father's mother. And she was very kind, very sweet woman. In fact, um, my younger brother and sister, grandma Agnes was just such a huge part of their life growing up. Uh, and she lived near us. And so we would go over to her house every once in a while. And she used to always make hamburgers. That was her thing. I don't know if it was just that she didn't know how to cook very much. She made amazing pie. Her blackberry pie. I, I have no idea how she made it. I, like, I don't know if she wrote it down. I've been bugging my dad about it, but her blackberry pie was just unbelievable. I've never had pie like my grandma's pie. I'm sorry to all the people whose pie I've eaten at our church. You have delicious pies. 
but they cannot compare to my grandma's pie. It was just incredible. And um, anyways, when we go to her house, we'd have hamburgers. She would make homemade French fries. And um, I remember when I first started dating Amy, I took Amy over to Grandma Agnes's house to, you know, they so they could talk and, and meet each other. And she met her, I think, a couple times before. But we, you know, Grandma made hamburgers. And Grandma was getting a little older, you know, in years. And I remember sitting at the table. This is just to explain how attentive mothers are. You know, she was she was so set on feeding us and serving us. And she wanted to clear the table. And she actually came around and started clearing the table while we were in the middle of eating. So Amy only got like halfway through her hamburger. And then all of a sudden, like the plate disappears. <laughs> Grandma decided that she was done with her lunch. Um, very, very attentive. Uh, there's also this, there's another story uh, about another mother. Uh, she had a very colicky baby. You know, man, our, our baby that we have right now is not colicky. Praise the Lord. Um, but we've had, we've had colic before and our babies, but um, there was a mother that she had a very colicky baby, you know, very attentive mother, always tending to her children. Um, but this call, this crying all day long. And it became just like incessant crying for, you know, from the day, from the beginning of the day to the end of the day, crying, crying. And so one day this young mother, you know, she's got three kids, this baby and these two older kids, and she's trying to get them out the door and trying to get everything. And the baby's crying and she's just, She's just kind of frazzled. She's a little sleep deprived. So she rinses off the password really quick and shoves it right into the mouth of her nine-year-old daughter, <laughs> whose, whose look of surprise was forever imprinted on her mother's memory. Uh, that's how mothers are. You know, they're very attentive. They're very, they care for their children. They look after their kids. The second thing that I realize about mothers is that mothers, mothers are fierce. Um, I think fierce, the word fierce describes my mother perfectly. You know, uh, there's one story that I remember, uh, we used to have a blockbusters in our, in our area in Richmond beach where we lived in shoreline. And we, you know, we'd go to blockbuster, you'd go there once a week, you'd rent a movie and then you return it. And I remember one day my mom found out that she had some late fees, late fees due. And for some reason, you know, she felt like she didn't, she was not supposed to pay these late fees. This, this blockbusters had ripped her off. So I remember driving to the Blockbusters with my mom and sitting in the parking lot as she, you know, went into the Blockbusters and she was in there for quite a while, longer than it would normally take to return a video to Blockbusters. Anyway, so she came back out again and she's red in the face. She's, you know, you can tell she's been, she's been fighting. She's been angry. She sits down in the car. She turns the car on. She turns to me and she goes, well, we can never go in that blockbusters ever again. <laughs> she'd gotten she'd gotten removed from the blockbusters for arguing over late fees. But another time, um, another time that my mom displayed fierceness was um, I was driving. I, I was I was young. I was I must have been 18, 17 years old, and I was driving without insurance. And I don't remember if that was illegal that time. Um, I'm sure it probably was. But I was driving without insurance and I was in an area I didn't know. And I was driving by myself and I uh, I was on a one lane road. And all, all of a sudden, the place where I needed to go, it appeared on the left side and I saw a parking lot on the right. I said, oh, man, I got to go over. So I really quickly made a right hand turn. And as I made the right hand turn, a truck T-boned me uh, right as I was in there. And so later, I as I was looking at the road, I was trying to figure out how does this how did this happen? Um, the truck had been trying to pass me on the in the biking lane. And so he 
as he was coming up alongside me and I turned and he just bam right into my right into the side of my car. And I didn't know what to do. And, uh, you know, we, we gave each other our phone numbers and I was just so out of it. I was so frazzled, um, you know, didn't really do it. We didn't call the cops. And they, I noticed the guy was out there on the street waving the witnesses along, you know, oh, we got it. We got it. Anyways, I got home and I, I just I was just beside myself, didn't know what to do. And I told my mom, you know, about this. And all of a sudden, this guy started calling and he wanted to make it out that it was my fault that we'd gotten into this wreck, even though he was in the bike lane. And he wanted to um, he wanted me to pay for his truck to be repaired. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't have insurance, didn't have anything. And I told my mom, I said, I don't know what to do. And my mom said, I'll take care of it. I don't know what she told that guy. I know she called him on the phone. I don't know what she said, but I never heard from that guy again. And he never wanted a cent from us. You know, mothers, you don't cross mothers when they are defending their children, when they're, they become quite fierce. Um, there's a story about George Washington's mother. Early in the Revolutionary War, uh, Washington sent some of his men to get some horses from the landlords in the area to use them in the war effort. And so one of his officers went to a went to a mansion and an older woman answered the door and, and he said, ma'am, I've come to claim your horses for the government. And the woman said, in whose authority do you claim these horses? And the guy said, in the, in the authority of General George Washington, the commander of the American army. And the woman said, smiled at him and he, she said, you go back and tell General George Washington that his mother says he's not going to take her horses. <laughs> There's a certain level of authority, I think, uh, even when you are the general of the American army, there's a certain level of authority that that comes from being a mother. So mothers are attentive. Mothers are fierce. And the third thing about mothers is that they are loving. Uh, I remember when when Amy and I were dating, we had a we had some rules. And I would very much recommend people who are in dating relationships establish early on in your relationship some guidelines about how much time you're going to spend together how much physical contact you're going to allow. Um, because if you don't have any rules, there are no rules. That's how it works. So Amy and I had some rules. And one of the rules was if it was past a certain time at night, we couldn't spend time together watching a movie if there wasn't other people around. Just because it's dark, it's late at night, you're next to a person in a couch that you really love. Not a good situation unless you're married. So we had a rule that you had to have somebody else there in the room with you if you wanted to watch a movie. And I remember the first time I met uh, my mother-in-law, uh, Amy's mom, she came She came up to Seattle. I think it was for a performance that Amy was giving. Yeah, for an opera performance that Amy was giving. And um, we all went out afterwards to hang out at, at a gal in the church's house. Tally Thompson was her name. And we must have been, it must have been 12 o'clock at night when, when the party started winding down. And Catherine knew about this rule that we had. And so she and so she turns to it. She goes, well, is anybody else up for a movie? <laughs> she wanted to give us, you know, time to spend time together. And it, it was at the time it was very sweet. I mean, here's a mother who doesn't know me very well, but who knows that her daughter loves me and, and she wants us to spend time together. So we sat up and we watched One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And Catherine, my mother-in-law, was the only person who stayed awake for the entire thing. It was like a two and a half hour movie 
Amy fell asleep immediately. <laughs> I <laughs> I fell asleep about halfway through it, and then I woke up again, and some terrible things were happening. I didn't know what was going on. Catherine is sitting on the chair watching the entire movie, and then about three o'clock in the morning with the movies. It's a long movie. Uh, we all went home, but <laughs> mothers are loving. Oh, hello. You want to talk about mothers? You want to help talk about mothers on Mother's Day? Maybe. Do you like having grandma here? Do you love your grandmas? You have three grandmas. Did you know that? Who are your grandmas? Four grandmas, if you include great grandma. Who are your grandmas? Who's one grandma? Grumpy. Who's another grandma? Grandma Connie. Who's another grandma? BB. Who's the last grandma? Grandma Short Grandma, huh? Grandma Short Grandma. Grandma Short Grandma. That's great grandma short. Yeah, you have a lot of grandmas. You want me to tell you a story about a, a mommy who loved her little girl? Okay. There is a little girl, and she was trying to take care of her mommy because her mommy was sick. Her mommy was sick, so she went into the bedroom, and she put up all the pillows around her and made her all comfortable. And then, you know what the little girl did? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, the little girl came out, and she wanted to make her mommy a cup of tea because she noticed that, you know, whenever her dad got sick, her mom would make her dad a cup of tea. So she wanted to make her mommy a cup of tea. So she came into the kitchen. She made a cup of tea, and then she brought it into her mommy. And she said, here, Mom, I made you some tea. And her mom was so happy. Or was her mommy happy, do you think, to have the tea? Yeah. Yeah, and so she started, she drank it, huh? She drank the tea, and she said, honey, I didn't know that you knew how to make tea. And the little girl, do you know what the little girl said? Yeah. She said, she said yeah, I do. I, I took the tea leaves, and I boiled them with the water, just like I've seen you do. And then when I went to pour the tea, I couldn't find the strainer. So I just used the fly swatter. And the mother just about <laughs> gagged on her tea. And she said, you use the fly swatter? And the little girl said, oh, don't worry, don't worry. I used the old fly swatter, so I wouldn't mess up the new one. <laughs> Do you think that was good tea? Yeah. I mean, that mommy drank all that tea, I bet, because she loved her baby. Huh? Moms put up with a lot, huh? Do moms put up with a lot? Yeah. Yeah, they do. Um, I do want to read some scripture, and I have a, a brief reflection that I want to give also um, on motherhood. So we're going to go to Genesis 18. We're not in Genesis 17 like I thought we were. <laughs> we're in Genesis 18. And Abigail's going to help me. Huh? You going to help me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're in Genesis 18. <clears throat> um, you might know this story pretty well. God had promised Abraham uh, that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky and as numerous as the sand on the seashore. Is there a lot of sand on the seashore? Yeah, yeah there's a lot of sand, huh? Well, um, it was a pretty big promise. It was even tougher because Abraham's wife, Sarah, she couldn't have any babies. She didn't have any children. Yeah. So time went on. Uh, Sarah passed the age of bearing children. And when we catch up with her in this story, she's actually 90 years old. 90 years old. Abraham's sitting outside of his tent. This is chapter 18. He's sitting outside of his tent. He's resting during the heat of the day. And as he's sitting there, he sees three men standing nearby. You are squirmy. He sees three men standing there and they startle him. Oh my goodness, I didn't see you. So he runs over to them. 
and he bows down at the ground uh, before them. You know, it's a culture of hospitality. So he bows down in front of them. And Abraham, he's a righteous man. He wants to be hospitable. So he says to these men, if I found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought that you might wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so that you can be refreshed and then go on your way. Now that you have come to your servant. And the three men, they were pleased with Abraham's offer. And they said, very well, do as you say. So Abraham runs into the tent. Run, 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 run. And he calls his wife, Sarah. And he says, quick, get that really good flour that you've been saving. Make a bunch of loaves of bread. And he runs out and he gets a calf, a young cow, and he slaughters it and prepares the meat. And he grabs some cheese. He grabs some curds and some milk. And he brings the food out to the men. And they sit down and they begin to eat. And then one of the men turns to Abraham and he, and he says, he says, where's your wife, Sarah? And Abraham says, she's there in the tent. Notice that she's not eating the meal that she helped prepare. That's a, that's not a modern day occurrence for mothers. That's a common occurrence. She's not eating the mother. I hope that she made herself an extra loaf of bread at least and is eating a little bit of bread. But the men ask, where is Sarah? And Abraham says, oh, she's in the tent. And then it says that the Lord spoke to Abraham. Abraham might not have known that the Lord was before him when they first started eating. But now the Lord is going to speak life into their household. And so the Lord says nonchalantly, he says, I'm going to return next year. And uh, your Sarah, Sarah, your wife is going to have a son. There's a lot of reasons why women may not be able to conceive. Uh, we know of families who've had miscarriages, other people who simply could not could not have a child. And um, I'm going to put you down. <laughs> I can't imagine the frustration and sorrow and depression um, that would go along with that with that idea that you could not could not conceive. And here Sarah is married to Abraham, right? He's, she's married to a man who's been given a promise by God that he's going to have descendants as numerous as the sand on the seashore. And maybe in her 50s, I'm wondering, maybe Sarah in her 50s still held out hope that she could bear a child, right? And then in her 60s, you know, maybe if somebody had mentioned it, maybe she would have cried. Maybe she would have, that would have been a source of sorrow for her. But she's in her 90th year now. And when she hears this man talking about her having a child, she just laughs. And what I love about Sarah's laughter is that it says something about who she is. It says that she knows who she is. She's accepted the, the parts of herself that she doesn't like necessarily. She's accepted the things that bothered her when she was younger. The fact that she can't conceive, it doesn't bother her anymore. My grandmothers didn't live into their 90th year, but they did live into their late 80s. And what I treasure about grandmothers is the sort of quiet rootedness, the quiet uh, rooted attitude that comes after a lifetime of living. My grandmothers knew who they were. There was no way that you could phase my grandmothers. They wouldn't let anybody else bother them about who they were. And so Sarah laughs, right? And it says that she says to herself, after I'm worn out and my master is old, now I'm going to have this pleasure. Now I will have this pleasure. And the Lord says to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I'll return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. And I love Sarah's response, right? Remember, she's in the tent. 
she's eavesdropping on this conversation. So she's been silently laughing to herself. She's been talking to herself, not realizing that it's the Lord in the other room who can understand and hear her thoughts. So when she gets called out on it, she freaks out like we all would. And she lies about it. She denies it. I wasn't, no, I wouldn't laugh. And I could just imagine Abraham and the Lord sitting and having a meal. And all of a sudden the Lord's like, Sarah's going to have a baby. And then there's silence. And then the Lord says, why did Sarah laugh about that? It's true. She is going to have a baby. And then you hear from the other room, Sarah yelling, <laughs> like, I wasn't laughing. Uh, and Abraham's like, I don't know exactly what's going on here. And the Lord calls back. Yes, you were. You were laughing. I heard you. Here's the point of the story. Motherhood is a gift from God. It's a gift that God gives to the best of us. God knows that we need love. And so that's why he gave us mothers. If you're a mother today, whether you're a biological mother or an adoptive mother or a foster mother or a mother-in-law or a stepmother or a spiritual mother, I hope that today of all days, you feel the honor that is due to your station. Not just Sarah's child, but every child is a gift from God entrusted to the care of their mother. And I want to especially point out today that there are some mothers among us who have lost their children in this last year. And there's some mothers among us who have become widows in this last year. And um, that's hard. Mothers hold their children in their hearts, whether or not they're with them or not. They hold their children in their hearts. That's a gift from God as well. Mothers get to embody and live out the sort of deep, unconditional love which only God has towards us. Mothers get the purest sense, the purest taste of that love for their children. I want to end our time. I know it's a shorter message today. It's a nice day. It's Mother's Day. Take the extra time that we were going to spend together and call your mother. Uh, write her a note if you haven't sent her a letter. Um, and if your mother is not living right now, I know that you have a spiritual mother. You have other mothers in your life that you could be calling and, and saying Happy Mother's Day to. But I want to end our, our time here with, a, with another story, the last story. And this is a story that uh, D.L. Moody used to tell. Uh, he's an evangelist. Uh, it's a story he used to tell about a soldier in the Mexican-American War. And uh, the story is that this young man uh, wants to enlist to join the army to fight in the Mexican-American War. But his mother doesn't want him to because he's not a Christian. And so his mother begs him and begs him and begs him, please, please, please. First, come to Jesus and then enlist in the army, you know, in case something happens. But no, he decides, like so many of us have been defiant towards our mothers, he decides, nope, I'm going to enlist and there's nothing my mother can do about it. And so finally, uh, on the day when he's about to, to leave, to go off, to be deported, uh, to be to be sent away for the war, um, his mother comes to him with a Bible and a watch. And she gives him the Bible and she says, please read this Bible She's marked, you know, some of the verses in it. She gives him a couple of little tracks to put in there too. And then she hands him the watch. And she says, every time that this watch says that it's 12 o'clock noon, I want you to know that I'm going to be praying for you every time it's noon. Well, the young man went to war uh, and forgot all about his mother, forgot about the Bible, uh, left it with his things. 
And one day, months later, months into his deployment, as he's walking through a, an arid land on a march, he happens to look down at his watch and he notices that it, it's 12 o'clock noon. And he asks his uh, officer for for a, a break, for a relief. And so he goes and he stands behind a tree and he gives his heart to the Lord because he realized that for months he may not have given it a second thought. But for months, every single day at noon, his mother had been praying for him. The power of a mother is in her love for her children and in her prayers. And I hope that every mother who listens to this, who is here today, including the two mothers in this house, would be blessed on this Mother's Day. Motherhood is a gift from God to the very best of us, but mothers are God's gift to us. So let me pray for you. Let me just pray a blessing over us and, and we'll go. Lord, I thank you so much for this Mother's Day. Lord, I thank you for a day to honor the mothers in our lives. And I pray that um, every day we would consider the sacrifices, the hardships, the, the hard things that they have gone through on our behalf. And I pray that every mother today would feel a blessing from you. Thank you, Lord, for their presence in our lives. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, I know it's a little bit shorter. It's a little bit different today from Mother's Day. Um, keep posting on Facebook. Keep looking on there. I am going to be hopefully be giving us good news about when we can start coming together again. Uh, be praying for our governor still, please. Uh, be praying for those who are um, serving in leadership roles in this city. Uh, that they would have wisdom and strength and courage. But uh, really happy that you joined us today. God bless you guys. God be with you. And we hope to see you again in person very, very soon. Happy Mother's Day to each and every one of you, and especially the mothers. All right. God bless you guys.